Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sophie Scott. And I'm James Gill. Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone. We'll be chatting with our favourite people. Sharing uplifting news stories. And delivering tips and tricks. To bring balance to your lives. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Our guest this week, former heavyweight champion of the world, David Hay. And what a joy it was to sit with this guy. Um, I learned a great deal from David Hay. He, He said loads of stuff. That, that is fascinating. Oh, by the way, um, so he's entering a poker tournament. I'll give you the full information at the end. Um, obviously, gamble responsibly. If you do gamble, if you don't gamble, I don't gamble. All right, I have the odd pound at the US Masters. I'll have a pound each way on Ricky Fowler. Um, but I don't, I don't gamble. But if you, if you do gamble, gamble responsibly. Um, with David, it is about finding a fresh journey after hanging up his boxing gloves. He was He's, he's sort of been set a challenge because he, he was the greatest boxer on the planet so now that he'd finished boxing could he pursue something else so he, he talks about that it's super interesting there's one thing he talks about his boyhood dream it's all it's all it's not a cautionary tale it's just it's just for me it, it probably goes into the if i had to write down the 10 I, I don't know why i've turned this into a top 10 list that no one has asked for if i was to write down the 10 greatest bits of life advice i've ever heard read stumbled upon then what David Hay said about winning, what David Hay said about becoming heavyweight champion of the world would go into my top 10. It has stayed with me like you would not believe. I'm not going, I, I'm not going to say what it is. You, you'll discover for yourself. But what, what, a, what a really interesting man. As you can probably tell, I love David Hay. Um, but before we get to David... Uh, we, it is our it is our good news section. Good news this week comes from a new company called Flow. I've had to redo this one, a bit like the one last week. I've had to redo this one multiple times because it sounds like I, I own shares in this company and I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but there's a new company called Flow and they've just raised $1.5 million and this could transform the treatment of depression. So this is a headset that you purchase... And you would use it at home. And then there's an app which is free. Um, And right now, I think there are more than 300 million people on the planet who are affected by depression. In the UK, it's something like one in four people uh, are affected by some form of mental illness. So this is a headset. You'd use it at home for around 30 minutes at a time. And you would have between two and five sessions a week at home. So this is good news. Because obviously the ramifications are potentially huge. So if you'd like to find out more, the URL is flowneuroscience.com. Flowneuroscience.com. This is medication-free depression treatment. Very quickly to explain, David and I started off talking about two American comedians, Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle. It's very important. <laughs> it's very important that I flag this because when this starts, you'll think, "What are they talking about?" So just to explain, and then the interview goes from there. But I have to, inc- I have to include the Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle bit as that is the uh, that's the starter, if you like. It's not even the starter. It's the sip of water before they bring the bread round before the starter. But I've got to keep it in for context. You'll see why. Lovely guy, David Hay. Dave Chappelle are my two favourite, I'd say, at the moment. Bill Burr opened for Chappelle two nights ago, I think. No way. Can you imagine having a ticket for that? I'd have some of that. Sweet Jesus. I mean, they could open for each other, couldn't they? Yeah. I've heard uh, Bill um, talking about uh, Chappelle, and he he really... You know a comedian's good when every comedian you talk to is like, no, he's the guy. 
he's the when they're really regular when <coughs> the comedians say they aspire to do what he can do like off the cuff totally because he doesn't write stuff down apparently um, Chappelle he just does different shows and fine tunes it and a buddy of mine is really close to him and goes around watches him do his shows he just never writes anything down he's just all in his nut he just practices can't even imagine and, and that, so Bill Burr goes on stage with some ideas that he wants to maybe you know maybe they've helped each other right he'll, he'll go on thinking I want to talk about X, Y and Z but he's not written it down mm. he's just riffing on those themes I mean it's how do you not get lost up there and end up just oh my god I, I couldn't figure anything worse than getting on stage trying to make people laugh that for me would be the absolute that's a nightmare for me but what I, was, I was going to say one thing about you though that separated you from almost every other sportsman yeah. certainly at that time was you were naturally funny and you were you, you could I'm, hold a I'm crowd. talking about stuff that I know I'm getting on stage and I can get on stage in front of a million people and talk about boxing <laughs> talk about <laughs> sure. my life talk, I can talk about because I, I know they're inside and out but these comedians for instance talk about subjects they don't really know much about and is trying to make a joke of it so it, it, maybe they just have to have a situation pop up that's happened to them and know that it was funny and try to relate that to the crowd and hope that the crowd have been through that themselves of course and if they haven't you look about an idiot because no one's going <laughs> to laugh and then you're going to have to try to claw it back and I just I, that for me that's one of the toughest jobs I, was gonna, <laughs> I mean one, one thing that you've done to, to, from my vantage point is that you've moved effortlessly from the ring there's this career as a, as a, a manager and, and, and trainer as well there's the poker that we'll talk about the punditry mate I mean that's boxing's gift is, yeah, is yeah. you as a pundit how so while it looks like it's been effortless from my point of view has it been hard from your point of view no not always been really easy because I've always even while I was an active boxer done commentary because I like talking about boxing sure and for instance if Sky Sky Box Office want you to do some commentary where are you going to be sitting you're going to be sitting as close to the ring as possible these seats you can't pay for you're literally you have a desk that presses against the ring and you're sitting there. There's no one between you and the fighters other than the, some ropes. That's it. So you get the best seat in the house and you're talking about the fight. That's all they're asking for. I'm not giving them any, not telling them anything new. I'm just telling them what I see. And I love, I love watching boxing. I love boxing. And to be able to fly around, fly to New York. I, mean, I was in Vegas a couple of weeks ago for the Tyson Fury um, fight. I was there for Anthony Joshua, John Ruiz, uh, a week prior to that in New York. So you get paid to go to these lovely places and watch a sport you love and talk about. If I wasn't doing that, I'd be at home watching it, talking about it with my friends. Sure. But I get a better seat and I, I do something I love to do. So I've, even, I've done that throughout my boxing career. I've always been available to, to talk about boxing I like, I like talking about boxing I like talking to other people who know boxing at the level I do and when you're sitting there and you've got pundits next to you you've got you know, other you've got Carl Froch a good friend of mine since I was 17 years of age I'm talking boxing he's, he's also working with me Paul Malinaji I've known him since I was there since he was amateurs as well uh, Johnny Nelson you know, Adam Smith he, he, he used to interview me when I was 16 years old so I'm, I'm sitting with my friends sure watching boxing and we're all getting paid to do it it's crazy it's, it's like a little a life hack to, to yeah I always feel to do a job or oh, you can't really call it a job to, to be paid for something that you'd like to do and would do for free is a fantastic I, I'd have boxed for free I, I boxed for free for 12 years as an amateur I didn't get paid but I love doing it and I knew at some stage one day I was going to get paid for it. So I just enjoyed the process. If you can find something you like to do and get paid for it, I think that's the best thing because then you don't have to then do the menial stuff you don't want to do to pay the bills. Your bills are paid from doing something you love. I think all kids should be told that at school. Find something you like to do and try and find a way to get paid to do it. And if you can, you've made it. Why are we, why are we not taught that? <laughs> I, know. I do not know. That if, if, I remember having an argument with my, my teachers at school where... I'd say that we'd be in religious education and they'd be trying to teach me about this religion or that religion. or And I had no interest. I'm a 14, 15-year-old who just wants to go to gym and fight people and beat people up and go hit the bag, skip, run. I, wanted, I was just a complete physical specimen, even at that age, and had no interest for anything other than that at the time. But I felt I had to go to school because just what you had to do. So I had to look at the clock and wait until sure. 3.45 before I can go home. And I remember the teacher saying, have you done your homework? No. 
why not? Because I was in the gym training. And then when I got home, I was tired, so I went to sleep. Oh, well, you need to do it. I'm like, no, I don't. Why do I need to? And he said, well, if you don't do that, you won't get your GCSEs. You don't get your GCSEs. You won't go to, to go to college. You don't go to college. You won't be able to get into university. If you don't go to university, you won't be able to get a good job. And then if you can't get a good job, you won't be able to buy a house, blah, blah, blah. So I, uh, I'm not going down that. That's not for me. I'm not doing that. I'm going to be the heavyweight champion of the world. And they said, well, what if you don't? I'm like, well, if I don't, I'll deal with that then. But I don't want to go down that path. I don't, I don't, by me going down the path that you're asking me to, to go to college, university and all that lot, I get that's, that's covering my bases. But by covering my bases, I'm pretty much guaranteeing I'll never make it in boxing. Because you only have those few years when your body's wiring itself together, when your brain's wiring itself with your muscles and your timing and your technique. You have to live and breathe that. Just like you can't go into tennis when you're full-time tennis when you're 19 and expect to win Wimbledon. You have to have been doing it since you was a, a kid. Totally. And I, I started when I was 10. So for, for the next 10 years, that's what I focused all my energies on. And I put everything else on the back burner. And it worked out. I'm sure it hasn't worked out like for everybody. But I've always been of the opinion, if you put all your eggs in one basket, you've got less chance of dropping that basket. Whereas if you, you separate them and you try and hedge your bets, you will never go that far. If there was a David Hay who went to focused all his energy two or three hours a night on his GCSEs, his college degree, went to a university and was in there all day, not in the gym, but in his classroom studying. If I was to fight that guy when we were 22, I'd knock him out every single time because I'm a fighter and he's a part-time fighter and, uh, and a bookworm. Now, a fighter beats a bookworm 10 out of 10 times. For sure. But on, on, and also, to back up your point, if you pursue that passion, so let's say, you know, you, you, do, you do what you do, but in a parallel universe, you don't quite, that guy doesn't quite become heavyweight champion. Mm. But you'd still become, say, a coach, where you set up a gym. You, yeah, You're still doing something that you more, love, aren't More you? importantly, you will, have the, the, you will have the psychological comfort to know you've gone as far down that path as possible. The amount of people I meet that say to me, oh, I'd have been a great footballer, but... I had kids and then I had to get a job or my dad didn't. My dad said the same thing to me. Oh, I'd, I'd love to have done boxing, but my mum wouldn't let me. I had to go and get a job. I had to do a trade. I had to, and I say, okay, well, you, that was the path you chose. Sure. You, obviously, your mind wasn't directed at what you wanted. And it's easy to have reasons. Oh, I could have, I know I got into women in the wrong crowd. Or I, I started drinking. I started a girlfriend. These are loads of things that we all get presented with, all successful people along the way. And you dabble in some, you dabble, you don't in others. And hopefully at the end of it, the, the little pathways that are going away from your um, final goal don't take you too far away from it. You know, I've got, you know, my brother, for instance, he went down a few of the wrong, wrong pathways and was never able to get back on track. And that's, that's, that's part of it. That's life. You can look at other people's mistakes and try to make, you know, uh, learn from them or you can make your own mistakes. I've learned from my own mistakes for some, some time, but I was fortunate enough the mistakes that I learned along the way weren't career ending. And I was able to have a, a great career. If I could do it all over again, I'm sure I could do it, have a better career by going, down, by going down as few wrong paths as possible. But you don't know you've gone down the wrong path until you've gone down the wrong path. I've just written down the word schools. Yeah. Have you been able to go into schools? Have you been able to get to kids? And I, to, yeah, I try, yeah I, I, I've been able to. And, and that's the thing. It's a, it's a kind of catch-22. Because if I go into a school and speak to kids, I'm I maybe not telling. I maybe not. I may not have the right energy for what the school want me to be sure. there. The school want me to go there and tell the kids to study hard. They want me to go there to uh, focus on your GCSEs and focus on this to go down that path. And I didn't go down that path. You know, maybe what I can say to them is to follow your dream, whatever your dream is. If your dream is to be a lawyer, sure, you need to be here. If your dream is to be a doctor. Yes, sir. You need to be there. You know, if you want to be a car mechanic, okay, maybe you need to go on an apprenticeship. Maybe after when you're 16 to 18, maybe you then do an apprenticeship. And then if you want to be a plumber, like your dad was a plumber, then, you know, Great. These, these these trades are coming back now. They are. Because there are people yeah. who, are, um, who, are, who are qualified, have got, you know, doctorates, that have got PhDs, that have got all these, these, these this education. And it doesn't guarantee a job anymore. You know, there's so many people that I, you know, I'm, I hire for jobs and people turn up with all these kinds of degrees and I'm like, but what life experience have you had? How many, how many years of work have you done? How do you know you can deal with a, a nine to five job? How do you know you can do that? You know, 
and they don't. So I'd rather have somebody, I'd rather hire someone who's got five years of experience in working than someone who comes to me with a brand spanking new degree that they've been in the student union drinking snake bite for the last three years. <laughs> and, you know, it's just it's, it's different. You know, it's, the world kind of seems to be changing. And I've always said from day dot, I, the, way, the way I'm very fortunate that I found my passion, that I found my um, my life goal at a really early age, because it's, it's a bit unfortunate when you get kids who are 18, 19, and they've got no clue. Say, so what do you want to do when you grow up? And I don't know. I'm gonna try this, try that. You know, I'm gonna see how it goes. I'm gonna take a gap year. I'm gonna, like, well, okay, but what you're gonna do? You need to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you're not gonna go anywhere. You may find what you might be some tech billionaire. It happens. Some people don't know what they're going to do and they fall into it. That's right. But you, you need to be directed in some direction, in some way, shape or form. And I was fortunate to find that my skill set was having really good reflexes. I was, very, I was way stronger and way faster than the average. I'd never met anyone in my whole life ever and to this day that have been able to outdo me in a speed an agility department. I've never gone one-on-one. So when I've been fully firing all cylinders, no one's about to outdo me in any department. And for me, that I was fortunate to realise that at a really, really young age. So I was able to direct my life towards sport. And my mum and dad um, were very, very... Um, they fanned that flame. I said to them, I, I want to be heavyweight champion of the world. And they both said, OK. They always said, you can do whatever you want to do. You want to be an astronaut, you want to be... You want to be a boxer, you want to, be, whatever you want to do, as long as you're the best at it, you can, we'll back you. If you need to do something, you're going to be second best. You know, if I to do a race across country and I'd come second, you know, eh, I, I remember being, you know, I remember I was the first ever British boxer to get to the finals of the world championships as an amateur. The first ever one to do that. And it was a big, it was a big moment right. for me. Yeah. But I got the silver medal. I lost in the finals. And I remember I was, although, yeah, on paper, that's a great achievement. You're the first ever fight boxer from Britain to get to the finals. That's amazing. Now, Anthony Joshua, a few years, I think, uh, about 10 years later, got a silver medal also. So it was a very, it's, it's an anonymously tough tournament to, to win or even get a medal in. Carl Froch um, got a, a bronze medal in it a, 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 about half an hour before I did. And it's a, although I, got that silver and I was the second best in the world at that time it I was still lost I saw myself as a loser and I put a brave face on it I'm still a loser you come second and I was embarrassed to go home to face my parents with this silver medal and even now I don't even know where it is in a drawer somewhere and to some people that would be like the epitome of their career amateur career but for me it was just a significant failure that I didn't make it. The silver should be gold. And although I say to people, yeah, I've got a silver medal in the world champion, they go, God, that's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, gold would be better. <laughs> so I took that mindset into the professionals and was able to become number one and win the belts. And that's why for me, having a, having a winning mindset means having very, very high standards. And in today's society, a lot of kids, particularly younger kids, are being rewarded for medi- mediocrity, and it's not a good thing. You know, if there's a kid who's four foot two, and and he's and he, when he's fifteen, and he's saying, "I want to play in the NBA," instead of saying, "Dude, you're too small to play in the NBA," or vice versa, you get a guy who's six foot ten, and he goes, "I want to be the jockey, I want to win the, the Grand National," and he weighs eighteen stone. You're like, "Dude, it's not going to happen." But you can't tell a kid that. It's, it's bad form. It's, you know, you're, you're killing the kid's dream. No, you're being realistic. You're helping the kid. Yeah, you're doing him a favour. You're stopping him going down, wasting his time down, going down a path. And I definitely am fortunate that I was able to realise the path that I need to go on and have the parents who understood that, okay, my grades at school wouldn't be that great, but it didn't matter. And it hasn't mattered. It hasn't made a difference. It wasn't anything that I missed out in school in terms of learning that I needed later on in life. When you're at school, they don't teach you about taxes. They don't teach you about time management. Right. They don't teach you about all the things about paying your bills on time. Why don't you bills on time? They don't tell you about anything that you really need in life to be a, uh, a happy adult. And you've got to kind of figure that out for yourself. Right. And um, I'm, I'm glad that I 
put the energy in the things I did do. And although it might be quite an unpopular thing to do and something that most people would not usually promote, I know, I, I, I just tell it, tell it how it is. And whenever I meet young kids and they say, I want to do this, I say, well, you're going to need to do that. If you want to be a footballer, be a, be a footballer. Don't tell me you want to be a footballer and, I, and every Saturday I play. I'm like, no, you need to play every day. Before school, during school, after school, you need to have a ball with you non-stop. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. You need to live and breathe whatever it is you want to do and whatever you want to be. There's one thing doing something, there's another one being something. He's doing boxing after school and is being a boxer. I used to introduce over to, hi, I'm Dave, hey, yeah, I'm a boxer. Oh, okay, I was 12 years old, I'm, ten, I'm, a, I'm a boxer. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm going to be the heavyweight champion of the world. But, okay, fair enough. And, that's, and, and I manifested that reality for myself and I, I'm definitely proof that if you truly believe something and put all energy and all your life force into doing it, you can change the reality of the world to suit whatever you want it to be. At what age did you know you were going to be a heavyweight champion of the world? Probably when I was, as far back as I can remember, I, my mum and dad were big boxing fans and I realised how much entertainment boxing gave parents. When you're a kid, all you want to do is impress your parents, you want to make them laugh, you want to make them happy. And I saw the television, what the, how the television connected with my, my uncles and family friends who used to come around, congregate when the big fights were on, everyone's cheering, everyone's, everyone's happy, everyone's sad, everybody's just emotional. And I wanted to be the guy on the television making everyone feel passion and feel excitement and feel happiness. So, you know, maybe, well, maybe you get these famous actors who may have seen the same, the same way Brad Pitt may have seen uh, his parents or, or what film did for him. I saw what sport did for my family. And I could connect with that because I, I, my dad was a big, powerful, strong man. And I wanted to, I understood like my first like, big idols, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jackie Chan, uh, Sylvester Stallone, all big, powerful men. And my dad was a big, powerful, he was six foot, he was six foot two at the time. He's shrunk a little bit now. But he was a big, powerful man, six pack, big guns. And I, 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 I aspired to be the big man in my world. And the biggest man, the biggest most uh, entertaining man, a guy who everybody respected was the heavyweight champion of the world. You know, whether it was Larry Holmes or Ali or Mike Tyson or Frank Bruno, Lennox Lewis, these were the men, whoever held that belt was the guy that everyone was like, he's the man. And as a kid, you want to be the man. You know, you want to be the number one, the top dog. Same way at school. I wanted to be the fastest runner in my school. I was the best fighter in my school. You know, the sooner people recognize me as you're the best fighter in the school. I then felt like, oh, I'm not, it took me, I was about, I was really young, way younger than, I might have been like nine or ten, and I could really beat everybody up in the school. And I'd be like, oh, I heard you're the best fighter to win this fight. And they're like, uh, not really. I'm like, no, come on. To print, they're like, no, no, we don't really want to fight you. Okay, you're the best fighter. But I wanted the competition. And sometimes you'd get a kid from another school who was the toughest kid in his school. So I'd be like, okay, we'd arrange fights after school. Go to a park and then have a punch out. And, then, and that, that was it. And I'd be like, okay, I'm the best fighter in this school and that school. Okay, now it's boxing now. Now I'm 10 years old, I've gone to a boxing gym and it's like, ah, oh, I'm not that good now. I was good when I'm fighting other kids who don't box, but now these other kids box. They've been boxing for two years, I've only just started. Just because I'm bigger and stronger than them, they've got the skill because they've been in the gym learning. So I took a few ass whoopings early doors because I thought I was just going to be a natural and want, until I realised that it takes so much more skill and dedication to learn the art of boxing... That was a bit of a humbling for me to sort of, it took my ego way back down. And then it's like, okay, I'm saying I'm going to be heavyweight champion of the world, but I can't beat this 12-year-old kid up who's like half the size of me. Why is, why is he jabbing my head off? Why, why can't I land a punch? It's because he put the work in and I had an at boxing. And that, that was then the real learning curve for me to you know, scrub up on the art of boxing. It's not just about you know, who punches the hardest. It's, you can have the hardest punch. If you can't land it, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. So I then had to start, you know, I had a good coach, you know, uh, Grant and Billy Webster, you know, guys who really took me under their wing and really, you know, fine-tuned my, uh, my, uh, my art. And I was fortunate that by the time I was probably 14, 15, I could kind of handle everyone in the gym at that stage. So we had to start getting professional fighters in to spar with Jeez. me at such a young age. And you know, I was then started, I got selected for England when I was 16 as a young England under 19s. I knocked a Russian kid out in 
like 30 seconds. So then they put me in the senior England team, fighting top Ukrainians and Americans and Russians. And I started knocking them out as well. So from the age of 17, I was fighting 30-year-old men. Oh, but, my God. But because I could handle it because I was big for my age as a as a kid. As a, I, was, I was probably sparring when I was 10, 11. I was sparring grown men, guys who were 10 years older than me, only because they were the same size as me. But they had so much more experience. They used to, you know, have their way with me early doors. Sure. And t- but that kind of, that toughened me up. It was kind of a baptism of fire where nowadays, you know, society is a little softer now. If you see a kid with blood all over his face, getting his face punching, you probably stop it and go, hey, maybe, maybe you should jump out of the ring. But I was just kept going. And that kind of made me a little more battle-hardened and tougher. So when it came time to then fight other kids at 12, 13, I'd wipe the floor with them. To, to speak to someone who has realised their dreams, mm. the percentage of people on the planet who've done that is yeah. microscopic. Yeah. Can you just say a bit about what is that like to, you know, those, those guys that you name there, Holmes, Lewis, Bruno and so on, to have achieved that, to have been the heavyweight champion of the world? <laughs> mm. I don't get to ask many people that yeah, question. Yeah. What, what's that like? It's just, it's, it's weird. It's, you know, you, you see, you see this, this goal and you see this, this accolade and you spend your whole life striving to get there. And when you do get there, you're expecting some, some bells to start ringing somewhere. You're expecting, I don't know, the whole world to be upgraded in some way. And it doesn't. It's so interesting. You don't, nothing, nothing's different than the day before, although you've got this belt. And a lot more people go, oh, yeah, you're a great heavyweight champion. But nothing else changes. You're still the same. You still have the same issues, the same problems, the same struggles, the same ups, the same downs. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. It's, you know, once you've ticked that box, then what? Then what do you do? Once I've won the heavyweight title, okay, this is it. I didn't really think past this. Now I've got it. Okay, now, okay, I've got to win more belts. So let's fight another. So it's, you can't, you're constantly chasing. I don't know what you're chasing. until hard, you realize, isn't it? Until you realize you can't do it anymore. Then it's like, okay. Now what? Now what do you do? And, and, and life's about challenges. You need something to strive for. That's why I've really enjoyed this poker challenge because I started from zero and I started from not knowing the rules less than a year ago. And here I am less than a year on and I've gone to the, went to the Philippines, the Asian poker tour, and I cashed there. I went to the World Series of Poker in, in Vegas. Uh, I cashed in a tournament there. And out of 850 people, I came 28th. So this I'm, is unbelievable. Yeah, I know. This is the progression. I think, okay, I'm getting to it. I've, I've, I've big. I came, got to the final table a few times. I came third, you know, in a, in a tournament a couple of weeks ago. So after playing poker for such a short period of time, I'm, I'm fast-tracking myself, and I'm doing it in the same way I'd advise someone to do it in boxing, and that's just to immerse yourself in it, live and breathe it, speak to people, communicate people who are at a much higher level to you, and they will drag you up to their level as quickly as possible. So I'm trying my very, very best to mix in circles of the very best in the world, best poker players in the world, and, it's, and it seems to be working. It really is working. Getting tips from someone. Uh, for instance, I've got um, that Antonio um, Espendaria. He gave me some I went to his house I played some played some poker with him and he gave me some tips and you know he was talking about positioning talking about mindset you know and the way he explained something is very different to the way my mate would tell me about poker who sure. plays poker for the last 10 years once every couple of weeks you talk to someone who who is poker the one of the best in the world he's ever got what's um um, uh, Scott Bloomstein he got he, he won the main event sure. at the World Series of Poker in 2017 he's uh, on the phone I'm on the phone to him and he's, he's giving me advice and, t- and, and the way he explains it is very different to most people you know Audley Harrison you know um, a good friend of mine since I was since, once again, since I was about 16 sure. 17 years old you know we boxed each other as a professional he, I, 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 he fought for my world heavyweight championship belt I beat him obviously um, <laughs> but we're still, we're still we're still great we're still great buddies and you know he's he's way further down the line than me you know he's he's he's, he's cashed in so many massive tournaments probably like nearly $300,000 worth of um, poker winnings he's a good poker player people don't really realise that about him so he's talking to me constantly about mindset and he converts it he converts um, he converts the advice into palatable 
um, advice that someone who's a fighter and an athlete and a boxer can understand a lot better because he's a fighter. He's been an Olympic gold medalist. He's, right, he's yeah. gone from, he started boxing late himself. He started boxing probably when he was in his early 20s. And by the time he was 30, he was Olympic. I think it was 18, 19 that he started yeah. boxing. But when he was 30, he was Olympic gold medalist. So he knows about fast tracking himself in later years. So here I am starting, starting poker at 30, how was I, 37, 30, 38. Started boxing, so I started poker when I'm 38. And less than a year later, I'm already cashing in big tournaments. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm fast tracking. We've got Goliath, you know, a couple of weeks away. And I didn't want to um, disgrace myself in it. Anything that I do, I do it. Uh, I, I, I go hard or go home. That's the go way I see go it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out there with as, as much um, confidence as humanly possible. And to do that, you got, you got to be. I'm playing online. I'm playing tournaments in here most nights. I'm talking to people. I'm, 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 I'm studying the game. And I got. So, I, pro, I, I realistically, I think I'm probably. If there's a, if there's me being the best possible player. I can be is 100%. I'm probably at between 15 and 20 at the moment, realistically. That's, that's where astonishing, I am. That's, isn't it? Where, that's where I am now after one year. In another year, I'm going to be 30%. It's going to take me probably five years to get, five, six years to get to where I believe I'm at my optimal. And I'm just starting the road. And I'm still, I'm having success. I'm having success at this early stage, which lets me know that I might have the knack for poker. I might have the, the understanding of what's needed. And this is this is about a passion, isn't it? This is about pursuing something yeah. that's a passion, yeah. right? You know, obviously there is gambling involved, yeah. but this is this is more about you throwing everything into a, a yeah. fresh pursuit. It was a it? challenge, though. Grove the Casinos said, if you had a year to train for uh, a poker tournament, how well do you think you'd do? And obviously, before I understood what poker was like, I, just, I didn't know what. I thought, yeah, if I had a year training with the best people, I could do anything. That was my ultra confident self. And I was like, yeah, I'll win it easy. And I was like, okay, do you want to film a documentary about you learning this process and actually really go and do it? I was like, yeah, 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 cool, sign me up. Anyway, a couple of months after I signed, I was like, I've got to learn the rules of this damn game. And then I started learning. I'm like, this is way harder than I thought it was. There's so many different variables. There's so many, there's so much to learn. The seat positioning, you know, people's tells, your tells. You've got so many different hands. How do I know what decision to make? You know, depending on how many chips I've got, how many other chips others got, you know, there's a tournament, you know, how you play when you're getting close to the bubble. If you're lucky enough to get close to the bubble, there's so many different um, variables that I need to go through. And not only go from, I need to remember how I felt, what I did, how I did it to improve. And, and then it was like, damn, I need to really step my game up. So probably... It took me probably about four months before the penny really dropped that I wasn't doing enough and I was going to completely humiliate myself when it came to it. So then I was like, okay, I'm not the type of guy to want to, to, to humiliate, humiliate myself. And people were saying, yeah, don't worry. If you can somehow manage to get through day one, that's a win. I'm thinking, nah, I'm not that type of guy. You know, I'm not the type of guy to be happy. Like Even when I came 28th in, um, in Las Vegas, you know, I put a brave face on it. I'm playing to win. Yep. I'm playing to win. You know, the hand that I... I lost. I talk, I've talked to a few pros about it, and they said they would have done the same thing. You know, there is an element of luck. Of course. And the more yeah. you play, the luck you get. You know, if you've got one per, let's say I play 10, 10 tournaments at the level that I am now, I, I, I'll get a, I can go a certain distance in the tournament. Let's say I can go, I have 100 people, I come 10th. Whereas if, I, if I'm 20% better than I am now and only play five tournaments, I might not become 10th because I haven't had the runs you haven't had the potential run ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me Kiki Palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Luck that you do need as well as the skill. You need the perfect blend of skill and luck to make it happen. So the more you play, the luck you get. The more skillful you get, the less luck you need. Of course. And it's that yeah. trying to understand that I could play the perfect game. I could get all the pros telling me exactly what to do, when to do it. If the cards don't land, if I don't hit, if I don't what hit the flop, do? if I don't hit the turn or the river, that's sure. it. That's it. You you lose. You're out. Yeah. You go all in with a pair of aces and you lose to two seven off off suit. It's unlucky. Ah, bad luck. You know, if you played that same hand ten times, you win nine out of ten. But that one time, you lost. And that's the thing that I've had to get my head around and not try to change the way I'm playing because I might have lost, because I lost doing the right thing in certain instances. And then other times I've done the complete wrong thing that everyone said not to do. I was chasing it. I was waiting and I was hoping that I'd get the one card out of the whole pack I needed to hit the flush on the, on the, the river. And I got it. So does that mean I should do that next time? No, it's reinforcing the wrong thing. And I've had to kind of rein myself in and think, okay, I need a process, I need a set rules of what to do. But these rules can be bent from time to time depending on who I'm playing and if I feel the guy's full of shit. If I feel the guy's got a real hand because he's the last time he scratched his head, he had sure. he had the yeah. nuts. Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's scratching his head. I'm thinking, mm, my hand's okay, but uh, you know, so you can you have to you've got to have a set rules, but you've got to be willing to be able to change them for a reason. Not just because you want it, because You've got but you're, you're bored at that present moment in time. That's not a good enough reason. And in the past, I've been sitting there. I've got bored. I haven't had the patience to wait for the right hand to play. And that's why I've been losing. It's been simply because I'm an impatient person by nature. I'd, if there's a car that's worth 50 grand and I could, uh, and I really wanted it, but if I wait, if I, I could get it, if I've, I've got to wait three months to get this car for 50 grand, or I can get it for 65 today. I'll be like, okay, I'll pay the extra 15 grand just to have it take away today. And, and that mindset doesn't work in poker. You can't buy, you can't pay your way. It doesn't work like you just lose a lot doing that. And I've had to really try to rewire my brain and rewire how my natural instincts are. And it's taken a while and I still find myself drifting into it from time to time, particularly when I'm not mentally on point. If I'm tired, if, I, if I've had the wrong type of food, if you know, I'm, you know, I had a late night, I start making more mistakes. I'm not able to keep my focus sharp. And I've realized the same way if I've got a sparring session, if I'm sparring a real dangerous guy in the gym at 6 p.m., how would I live my life that day? Would I go out sunbathing, draining my energy? Would I go out and have a slap-up meal and a few drinks? No, because that's going to affect the spa. And that spa determines how good I'm going to be the next day, where I'm going to get a broken jaw, broken nose, whether I'm going to get beaten up and have ruin my confidence. So I, I try my best to treat each poker tournament like it is a live sparring session. Sure. So that day I'm thinking about, okay, I'm playing poker tonight. Uh, am I going to be hanging out? Am I going to go and meet this guy because this guy does my nothing normally? And I'm a, No, I try, I try to chill out for the day so I go there fresh. So I give myself the best chance because if I give myself the best chance, I've got a chance to rehearse how I'm going to be at Goliath. And a lot of people, I don't live, they don't live and breathe it. They don't take it serious. I need to try my best at this stage to live life as though I am a professional poker player. And coming to the Vic here on Edgeware Road, there's a lot of poker players. I'm, I'm starting to see the faces. I'm, I'm a regular now. I'm here. I'm seeing people. I'm starting to understand the way different people play. And that only comes through experience and time and concentrating. I'm not just looking at my cards. I'm looking at how everyone else picks up their cards and how they react after they've looked at their cards. I can now, I'm starting to now say, okay, this guy goes all in. He's going all in because, you know, he's a bit desperate. He's low on chips. You know, he's, he's, he's not having a good run. Okay. 
Are my cars decent? Okay, am I going to try to... I know I'm, I'm trying to really engage in everything, not just what my cards are, what the flop says, and what are my chances. There's so much more to, to poker, and I didn't realise that. And I'm only in the last few months, probably the last three months, since I went to uh, the Philippines, since I, I was with uh, Audley Harrison, like 48 hours, did a 48-hour boot camp on this little island, this island called um, Kauaian Island, which was a 35-minute boat ride from El Nino, uh, a little island that's an hour flight from Manila. Sure. It was in the middle of nowhere, yeah. you know, no phone signal, no nothing. You're literally off the grid. We sat down for two days. We just played heads-up poker non-stop, and I learned so much more without any of the distractions of life. You know, no Instagram, no phone calls, no business calls, no... No, nothing. And I really sort of upgraded my, my knowledge and know-how. And um, that's how you do it. If you want to be good at anything, you have to consume yourself with it. And I, I know I'm going to be as good as I can be with the short time I've had to learn how to play poker. And I, I think I'll, I'll do very, very well. One thing you and I have in common, if I get some good news, I'll let it show on my Yeah, face. yeah, yeah. I'd if I have bad yeah, news, yeah. I look devastated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How on earth do you... It's tight. It's really tough. I know people were saying every time I played, they were going, I knew you had a good hand. <laughs> I, I, found, I found myself going all in, and everyone just fold, 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 fold. I'm like, why is it when I go in, everyone calls me, but when I'm like, what's that about? But it was really frustrating, and they're like, I can see it on your face. We went to see a, a, an acting coach in, in, in Los Angeles, and he, he was giving me hands and saying, what was your hand? And he could just—he said, "Yeah, it's just written all over your face." So I've had to become a little bit, a lot more monotone. Uh, whether I've got a good hand, a bad hand, have a set routine of what you do after you look at your cards. Because I was looking at my cards, putting them for, I put my hands out and sitting back at my chair, and then looking at everyone else to see who was coming in to fight me or to play me. Sure. And everyone looked at me sitting back and be like, no, we don't like the way you just sat back. You haven't sat back all day long. You ain't played a hand. All of a sudden you sit back and go all in. Well, you ain't getting involved, thank you very much. We'll, 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 we'll swerve your aces. So. <laughs> yeah, so, and that's what, and that's, that's exactly what happened. So I'm, I'm getting better with, I'm not there yet. I'm nowhere near the finished article, but I'm conscious of my facial expressions and my movements and my, body demeanor when I'm playing when, when I'm playing and that's something I've never had to worry about in boxing we have a poker face if something hurts or someone punches you hard you know, at worst you give it a little, you give them a little grin but then again that grin is a, that's a tell that sure. means I felt it yeah. so I'm letting you know I felt it but I'm letting you know it's okay it doesn't hurt well if it really didn't hurt you, you wouldn't, wouldn't, you wouldn't smile why are you smiling more you just keep monotone sure. and you know it's, it's, it's just trying to find my real poker persona I'm not there yet I'm getting there I feel much better I feel like I can sit down with anybody and I won't disgrace myself I won't do something so stupid that they go when did, who taught you how to play poker you know and, and when I tell people after when I've been on final tables that I've only been playing you know a few months they can't believe it. They don't understand the calls that I'm making. They, they're very, very impressed. So that, that lets me know that the, the coaches that I've had and the coaches that have given me advice, that can continue to give me advice, are doing a really good job. If you had to set yourself another one of these year challenges, yeah. you mentioned an acting coach there. Yeah. Could you not... But you know, the guys that you mentioned, Arnie, Sly yeah. and so on, does that not feel like a fit for you? It, it's always, that's always something I've always wanted to do. It's just, when do you do it? And at what cost... That's the thing, you know, when you're younger, you want all these big dreams, you have these big dreams. You know, I remember at one stage I wanted to be Olympic uh, heavyweight boxing champion as well as a 100 meter Olympic champion at the same Olympics in, two, in 2020. I wanted to have, I wanted, I wanted to be the only guy to win two completely different sports yeah. at the same time. And I thought that was realistic until I was about 15 and then realized, in actual fact, no, that to be, you, just because you're a fast runner, doesn't mean you're a faster runner than someone who's only ever done 100 meter sprinting since he was three years of age. Now, I did a little bit in the playground, but I didn't go to any sprint coaching. I didn't yeah. add any technique. I was just naturally fast. I could run around, by the time I was like 15, I could run around 11 seconds for 100 meters, which is a respectable time. But there are other kids that, you know, they're a couple meters in front of me. They were wearing spikes, they were, natu they were naturals at, at, at sprinting. And boxing is taking so much time. There's not enough time to, to be an expert in too many things. So pick one thing 
and do it. But by doing it, you're putting your life energy into it. For me to be uh, the best possible actor I could be, I'd, that would take up so much of my time at the moment. When do I spend it with my friends, family? When do I spend in, when do I uh, enjoy the, the spoils of this first 28 years of my boxing sure. career? Yeah. You know, you can't go from one thing, you know, and, and even doing this poker thing for this one year, it's taken up a lot of my time. All of my evenings are taken up. Even late at night, so I'm, I'm, I'm playing poker, playing poker until five o'clock in the morning the other night. I was in, a, in, a, in a, online playing. And it's like, I get addicted and consumed by learning a thing. So I've got to try to monitor how many things I'm doing. You have this voracious yeah. thirst yeah. For, for knowledge, whatever yeah. that might be, don't you? Yeah, and what, at what cost? At what cost to your life? At what cost to your family? At what cost to your friendships? At what cost to your health? You know, you know, you have to, you can only so many things a human being can do. I'd love to, you know, you know, Arnold, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Sylvester Stallone, you know, you know, they wouldn't be, they, you know, although um, Sly won an Oscar for um, Rocky, you know, I think he was the, the director of Rocky. He, uh, he wrote, he wrote, wrote the, he wrote the screenplay. You know, that for me was, you know, but he wasn't also a professional athlete. He didn't have to, you know, that was the one thing he did. He's an actor. That's what he does. He just does acting. And I've done the equivalent in boxing. I've become the best in the world at boxing. You know, it's very difficult to go one to the other. That's why you've got to respect guys like Will Smith, who, 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 who what, was a Grammy Award winning musician. Absolutely. He was uh, an actor. Fresh Prince, Fresh one, of the, Prince one of the great TV shows. To that, you know. yeah. So he's, he's been able to go from one to the other. Or The Rock, you know, Dwayne Johnson. You know, the one of the great wrestlers. WWE yeah. wrestling, one of the greatest ever wrestlers. Massive fan base, one of the... You know, signature moves he did everything. then he converted to acting and was successful or Kevin Hart same thing sure. sort of thing. he was a comedian now he's come through to do the the, the acting as well so I've always really respect and really can, liked the I fact that people go though, to you know? I'd, I, I'd love to do that it's just is there enough time and at what cost am I willing to put it, my whole life on the line and stop all of my relationships because that's what will happen everything gets affected by going into that rabbit hole of whatever it is you're going to do. Because once you've got there, and let's say, hypothetically ridiculous, I go into this rabbit hole of being an actor. Yeah. And it takes me 10 years to win an Oscar. At the end of that 10 years, who's still with me? How many, pe- how many relationships have died along the way? My, my connection with my kids, the you know, connection with my friends, family, all my other businesses, all this. My, and then what? What do you get for that? It's a, it's a statue. Then what? You can, does that? Will that give you any happiness? Because not really. It'd be like when you won. Exactly. You were heavy you champion. Exactly. exactly. And it's like you've got to pick what you want to do and go for it, and then try to fight. Like now, my my, I try my very best to spend as much, you know, quality time. I try to do as many holidays with my family, and I try to have as much happy time as I can away from these rabbit holes of, you know, sport or boxing or. Or poker. I try to like separate my 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 no my rest and relaxation away from it all, and it's taken me a while to kind of get my head around. I couldn't really do that whilst I was an active boxer. I did it a little bit between fights, but to day to day live on a you know trying to get a, a good connection, you know you know for instance my son, my son plays uh, Cassius plays tennis at a really good level. You know I'm going to Italy tomorrow for a few days because he's playing uh, playing the big tournament over there. So he's only eleven. If I was in my rabbit, I wouldn't be able to do that. Sure, I'd have to be here doing what I'm doing. But I've got a lifestyle now where I can play the poker, but I can put the poker on hold for four days, so I can go to to San Remo and support my son doing his dream. So you've got that's my next phase is to try to pass on the lessons that I've learned to the next generation. And um, for me, that's definitely a, a massive uh, a massive key, and I get more satisfaction from that. I'd get more satisfaction from my son winning Wimbledon than I would do me winning an Oscar. Sure. Way more. Or, you know, I'd get more I'd get more satisfaction with him winning junior Wimbledon or him just taking it as far as he could take it and being there along the way and I'd get more satisfaction from that than I would do me winning anything or getting any type of accolade. I've had enough accolades. I've had enough people saying, Yeah, you're good at this and that, I'm gonna have a picture, okay, you're gonna pay you to do this to I've had enough of that, I'm okay with that, I'm okay with accolades, I'm fine. I don't need any more. I'm good. I want to. I want them to have it because I know what it's like. It's nice to. It's nice to people to to respect you and recognise your hard work 
I'd like to then say, okay, I'm used the remainder of my time as a to give someone else some of that good, some of that good, that good stuff. So you, you and Dwayne Johnson in a buddy movie, mm. your son winning a tournament is more important oh, than the without, prospects of Without a doubt. But it's only taken me to get, I've taken me to the age of 38 to realise that. You know, I'm, 30, I'm 39 soon, 40 next year. So it's like, You've okay. beaten father time though, my yeah, friend. I'd like, to, I'd like to think so, but it's, it's, been, it's been a tough road, lots of highs, lots of lows. But it's been something, it's been a, it's been a fun, fun journey and... I haven't. I definitely haven't missed anything. I haven't sacrificed much fun. I've, you know, you, you go into training camp and it's hard graft. But you know, I've been on. I've been all over the world. I've. I've it's, it's never been anything really that I've wanted that I haven't been able to have, or get. And that's. It's, you know, but that's only come through punishing myself in the gym. I've kind of liked it the same way. I've like. I've liked the the life of a fighter because that's what I'm wired to do. The same way. You, you know, you get these musicians who are just designed to be on a piano, your Mozart, or you get these, you get sure. these, you get, that's what they're yeah. on earth to do. They're just supposed to do that. You know, then they're supposed to entertain people. I'm supposed to entertain them in a fighting manner. Now I've done that. Now my career's over. I can do other little auxiliary little bits and pieces, but the bulk of my life energy is not for me anymore. It's to kind of pass it on to other people and, you know, enjoy Enjoy the light, enjoy life. I was there at the O2 for the Enzo fight in 08. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's beautiful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a coming, that was a, one of them coming of age nights where um, I grew up, I used to hang out and knock around in Greenwich when I was a kid, before the, the, that building was put up there, um, before when it was the Millennium Dome back then. Sure. Way before then. Talk about a comeback from yeah, the Millennium exactly. Dome to the O2. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. One of the iconic buildings. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. No, but, and anyway, the, I was going to say, the, um, I went over to the uh, Valois, the outskirts of Paris, yes. to challenge Jean-Marc Mormec to win the, the WBC and WBA and Ring Magazine belt and to come back in 2008 when you was there to unify it against another British fighter, Enzo Macronelli from Wales, to have that unification fight at the O2 Arena in South London, where I grew up, where I, you know, where I, where I've, that's my home turf that was for me was the, the big night that, that was my coming out party to show the world that I'm number one and that's what I did on that night and to do it in South London was, a, was an amazing moment that you know I want that moment for my kids now to I want them to have that same feeling that I got that night where everybody there was there for me they were there to support me they all wanted me to win it was in my hometown and I became the number one on the planet and um, my son wants to be the number one tennis player. So I'm like, okay, we've got some work to do. We've got a lot of work to do, but I'll support you. The same way my parents supported me, I'll do exactly for you. I know we've got to go. It's, how beautiful is it, as a, as a parent myself, to be parents listening, how beautiful is it to, for you to be able to smell the roses now and enjoy it's, it's, you know, It's something I didn't give as much value to whilst the journey was happening. Because I, it's, it's a kind of a catch-22 to be... Um, to excel in any one field, you have to put your blinkers on and you have to be kind of ignorant, you have to be kind of selfish, you have to be kind of a dick to put yourself before everyone else. And I've, I've lived that life for, for years now where you know, I, I did what I wanted to do and that was that. And if you either get in the way or get out of the way, I'm going to do what I'm doing. And it worked. I got to where I needed to get to, but you can't live your life like that forever. And, it's, and now I'm so fortunate that my boxing journey's over because now I can kind of, as you said, step back and sort of smell. I was unaware there were roses to smell. Sure. I was unaware there was yeah. roses to smell. Now I'm stepped yeah. back. That, that side is gone. The, the boxing mission is gone. It's like, okay, what's this life about now? What, what am I here for? I'm like, okay, there's, I'm getting a lot of value from this, watching these kids playing around. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm getting more value from that than I was when I was doing my own thing, when I was on my own journey, it's just more fun watching someone else achieve totally. their ambitions. And I've, because I've achieved mine, but I want you to do what I've done. And for me to be alongside it and to watch it and to be there for these, these tennis lessons and to go for, to watch the sponge ball to the big tennis ball. Then he played at Wimbledon last year. Last year he did like a demo at Wimbledon. So I went to Wimbledon to watch my son. I'm like, yeah, this is it. Next, you'll be in that center court one day. And he's like, yeah, I know, I can't wait. For I'm sure. like, yeah, so it's only a few years away. You're seeing Coco at 15 years of age, you know, beating, that was incredible. Venus, beating Venus. Yeah. That for me was like, it can be done. Yeah. It can be done. It really can. Her parents, they remember tennis, tennis pros. You know, they were both athletes, yeah, like right. I am. Sure. So, you know, you can pass on the, the, the winning formula 
Maybe, maybe not from one sport to another. You can, you can. You can. I can pass the winning sport. For, it's, winning's winning. It's not the technical. I can't teach him how to hit a backhand. But I can tell him about nutrition. The mindset. About mindset. Delivering on the I big can, stage. Exactly. Raising this game. I can tell him about not getting down. I can, there's so many things that, are, that can transfer to him. Particularly tennis and boxing are very similar. In this, a combatant. It's a combatant sport. And it's a battle of the mind. So it's not so much physical. Every tennis player can hit every single shot. Is how many of them can do it under pressure when the chips are down, when they're tired, when they've got a stitch, you know, when their shoulders hurt, and how many of them can ignore all of that and just keep driving? You know, watching um, Djokovic and, and Federer the other night in that final, one of the most epic tennis matches I've ever seen in my life. That for me was like that is tennis. That is the epitome of what tennis is. Two people physically in their prime, playing for four and a half hours, whatever it was, it, and and they kept it together for so long, and it was just. A fractal, no, 0.8% difference in one and the other is everything winning and losing. And both of those guys, for me, were just like the idols that my kid needs to look at and say, this is, you know, I want to be here. I want to be here. And it was just so, it was so nice to see. Uh, David, thank you so much. Yeah, I tell you what, mate, if you could become a life coach tomorrow. <laughs> so that was, not about that, not about that. That was awesome. Thank you so much, my man. Pleasure, that, pleasure. Was, that, was, that was wonderful. Thank you. David, hey, what an absolute dude. And so much, uh, so much great life advice. That that nugget about the moment he became heavyweight champion and nothing changed. I, I fit. I'm that has stayed with me in the in the greatest way possible. Um, so as you know, David talks about poker there, and as I say, um, gamble responsibly. Um, if you do gamble, um, and also you know what's inspiring about David is. He's found a fresh journey and it's something we can all relate to. We've, you know, we, there are times where we think we've painted ourselves into a corner, a bit like with Chase Crawford, chat from a few weeks ago. And sometimes it's just finding a new path. Sorry, (laughs) I've turned into Jack Killian from Midnight Caller. That is a niche reference for the over 40s. If you're over 40 and you enjoyed Midnight Caller half as much as I did, uh, Drop me a line, podcast, <laughs> balance.media. If you've no idea what Midnight Caller is, Google it. I wonder if, if I watched it now, would it be dreadful? Because I watched it when I was a kid and it was on late at night, so I thought it was exciting. But if I watched it now, I'd be like, wow, this is pretty slow. Uh, as ever, podcast at balance.media. Sales. Sales. Uh, sales at balance.media. Sales at balance.media. So David is competing at the largest poker tournament outside of Las Vegas. Uh, and that is Grosvenor Casino's Goliath. Huh? Get it? David versus Goliath. Huh? Huh? Uh, starts today, 29th of July. You can follow David's journey uh, on Facebook. He, he shares some very uh, funny, very entertaining videos. So there's the, there's the Grosvenor Casino's Facebook page. Um, and if you if you Google David Hay Goliath, if you follow him on Instagram... Um, there's, there's lots more videos, the people he's met, his journey along the way. The thing with David is he cannot help, uh, he can't help being anything other than entertaining. He should, there should be a camera crew following David Hay round. He probably wouldn't be up for this, but he'd be great on a reality show because he's so funny and he's so charismatic and he's the kind of guy. And it happened when I interviewed him that people want to come over and chat with him, and he he loves it. He's great. I love, <laughs> I love that. My name is James Gill. I'm a 41 year old married man who is in love with David Hay. Um, yeah, he he was wonderful. As I said at the start, if you are going to gamble, gamble responsibly. I know that you know, you know. I know that we don't need to say that, but we sort. No, I mean <laughs> legally, we probably do need to say that. Um, anyway, join us next week. Um, as ever, drop me a line. Have a lovely week. Thank you very much. Um, the people... Oh, someone... I bumped into someone who... Oh, this is the equivalent of Steve Wright, isn't it? I'm going to stop that there. Uh, look, just know I'm always grateful. Thank you. I've been James Gill and... Uh, oh, tell you what. Five-star review. That would be... That would be lovely. It helps with the... Moving the thing up and the algorithm and all that. Five-star review. All of that. It all helps. Uh, I'm tremendously grateful. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.